Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We are having a blast today. I am so excited to share. Xander Cross is back with us again today. I adore this author. He's just amazing. Congratulations on stepping outside of your comfort zone to write something new. Um, this is really kind of cool for you. The Enchanted Forest. And your short story included in this anthology is Apple and the Dead Forest, correct? Yep. So tell us a little bit about the purpose of this collection of stories. Why did this group of writers come together to create an anthology? This is, there, there's an incredible group of writers and they invited me to write with them for, for this wonderful book. And what they've done is they've we come together and write for a different charity. Each time all proceeds go to that charity. And this one goes to the Rainforest Foundation. Awesome. For indigenous people and, and, you know, making the world and the environment a better place. So it's a cause we all believe in. And we're really happy to write every theme in this book. The only theme that really is the big thing is that it has to be YA and it has to have a forest in it. Okay. So when you get these calls for submissions, I mean, I know... um, quite a few authors who write for anthologies. How do you find it different writing for an anthology as opposed to writing your own material for the series you're working on? That's such a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is hard to write for an anthology. At first it was very difficult, especially when I got my, we have to beta review each other's stuff. So as soon as we've written it, we submit it to each other to be looked over. Okay. That's a very huge challenge. My first one, I just got ripped apart and I was just like, do I belong here? <laughs> it took me a, and then eventually I start reading other people getting ripped apart too. And it became okay. You know, it's like, okay, we're all getting ripped apart by each other. It's because yeah. we're trying to make the best product possible. So, you know, but then after I got relaxed into that, you know, we can, you know, I, I, I saw so some did of you, did you start out? relaxed. I was like, okay, we're all good. So did you start out with the intention to write something completely different or did somebody give you guidelines other than it had to be YA in a forest? Did you get more specific details and prompts no. or were you just given free reign to do that? Free reign. We got free reign to do whatever we want. And therefore we have in this, like there's people doing like, like celtic kind or Celtic sort of storyline with that kind of fairy genre. You have people just everywhere across the board doing anything from fantasy, just pure fantasy. And I did a, uh, Chinese dystopia. Actually, I should say Chinese apocalypse. This is post-dystopia, pure apocalypse. And it links to my main series in the uh, the Atlas Dystopia Apocalyptica. 
Well, that's even more fun that we get yeah. a little a little nugget of something that will harken back. So that's cool. So many spoilers in this story. If you want to know what happens, 35 years from Origin of the White Wind. It's in here. Actually, I should say about 37 years because it takes place 37 years after Origin of the White Wind. And this happens two years after the apocalypse, which will happen. That's why it's the, the Atlas Dystopia Apocalyptica, because the first 10 books of that series are in the dystopia. And then the next 10 are in all these different ages of the apocalypse from Mad Max all the way to distant futures where people yeah, are trying that's, to get I am I'm continually stunned by the breadth of your imagination. I mean, you're 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 touching on a whole bunch of things that I would never be brave enough to do. So kudos to you. <laughs> I grew up in the 80s with all those types of films. And so mm -hmm. it just smashes all in there. It's just great. I'm excited to hear this. Um, please, when you are ready, take the microphone and read aloud for us. Okay. Um, Apple and the Dead Forest, which in Chinese, and here we go. I'm going to apologize for all of my tone mistakes because I am really bad with my Chinese tones. And <laughs> I Duolingo, forgive because I Duolingo, can't do any of them. Duolingo and, and other ones have let me know how bad my tones are. <laughs> But a pingua So every story begins inside the heart of another story. And I'm going to show because Lena Chalice, one of our authors, did illustrations. Oh, cool. The book's got illustrations too. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Everyone was gathering in the central building of the Tulo to keep warm. The merciless wind howled outside the round mud brick fortress and whistled through its narrow streets. Pingua wrapped the ragged old blanket tighter around his arms like a cloak and slipped inside the dark room, already filled to capacity. The scrawny boy dodged hips and elbows to creep close to the center, pressing his blanket to his nose to filter the smells of people who had not bathed in a long time. There was little clean water to do so between the ground pollution and the continual droughts. Every drop had to be filtered through a five-step process. Water was far too precious to squander on vanity. And that day, fire lit up the sky, the ancient storyteller said, bony arms flung wide. A baby cried in the silence that ensued her proclamation. The mother jostled the child up and down, shushing it with intermittent success. Pingua remembered the night when the, remembered when the night had turned to day. It had been the year of the fire dragon when the lights went out and never came back on. The Carrington event of 2156 occurred just over two years prior, during the Lunar New Year when he was just a little kid. Pingua was now 13, older, although no less awkward. The entire city had howled louder than the wind. His father and mother got him and his older sister out, but it was a near thing. Father died saving them from a group of men, or so the family presumed. He never saw his Baba again after he told him to run. When the sun set, the sky remained stained with blood, and for two days, the night was morning bright. The finger of the sun proclaimed the age of dragons is over. The storyteller continued, the reign of darkness is nearly complete. It certainly felt that way. The smog was heavy at times and made it difficult to breathe. Sandstorms still hailed out of the great Western desert. 
and ice winds laden with dirty snow swept down from northern Mongolia. After years of extreme flooding, which had claimed most of the low-lying areas, the polarity shifted. No rain had fallen since Pingua could remember. Months? Over a year now? It seemed like forever. Hi, Pingua, Li Lin whispered. He ducked around legs and crawled along the floor until he reached Lin's side. Lin was a pretty, was pretty even with soot smudged across her nose and cheeks. Pingua really liked her, but she only thought of him as a friend. That hurt, but Pingua understood. She was a year older and he was nobody special. Not many people liked him, so he accepted the situation for what it was simply to be close to her. Still, he dreamed of what it might be like to kiss Lin. He never cared about that sort of thing before he met her, but after, it was all he could think about. Sadly, Pingua knew it was a lost cause. Lin liked Min, of course, their other friend, who was already sitting beside her. Wang Min was the kind of boy everyone liked, tall, athletic, and muscled despite the lack of nourishment. Min pulled his long hair into a ponytail, the bit of scruff on his chin and upper lip giving him a manly air. At the ripe old age of 15 going on 16, Min was handsome. All the girls liked him, and the women doted on him too. He always helped out, was good at hunting and gathering firewood, and he could fight. Pingua was none of these things. Pingua's real name was Chengping, but no one ever called him that, not even his mother. To her, he was just Artsu, meaning son, and his sister called him Didi, or little brother. When they made it to the Tulo, he hadn't shed the weight yet from his city life. The other kids started calling him Apple, and the elders took it up too. The humiliating name stuck, and so whether or not he was thin, he was still Pingua. Sometimes he was jealous of Min, but Min had been the first to be kind to Pingua when the other boys bullied him. After that, Min let Pingua follow him around without chasing him off. Min was so heroic and likable that Pingua felt lucky to be in the older boys and to be near the older boy. Hey, Pingua, Min grunted. Ni hao, he greeted back. An annoyed adult shushed them, and Pingua remembered there was a story in progress. He quieted, becoming overheated in the mass press of Hakka and refugees. He pulled off his blanket and crushed it between his sweaty palms. The dragons are no more, and all the demons roam free. Oh, but that is not the worst. On the other side of the shadows, the great old ones are stirring and their minions with them. Woe betide us, for we dwell in the age of suffering. Without the dragons to protect the light, nothing can stop the dread evil from coming to devour us all. A dramatic pause followed, with only the gurgling of the comforted baby and a few muffled adult coughs in the ensuing silence. But there is still hope. They say one dragon yet lives, the old woman whispered. Everyone leaned in. Hiding deep in the mountains to protect the last seed vault awaits Lord Bai. For the day a brave soul will come to distribute the seeds to the world and make it live and grow once more. A loving soul with the heart of a phoenix. And in flame, this young prince shall be reborn to protect the realm of light. Do you think any of that's true? Pingua asked later when they shuffled out with everyone else. The streets inside the Tula were narrow, with its many residences crowded together. The structure was a miniature fortress in the round, built by the Hakka people on the shores and mountains of Fujian. 
Amidst climate upheaval following the Carrington, the Tulos have become a sanctuary for any human who abided by the rules of the communal haka. Real dragons, Min scoffed. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I don't know, Min said. The dinosaurs were real, right? There's bones to prove it. Dinosaurs are dinosaurs. They are not dragons, Min affirmed. Pingua didn't know anything about dragons, but he had seen a demon once, although he knew better than to say so. He did not want to be made fun of or defend what he knew was the truth to his friends. Not that dragon stuff, the seed vault, Pingua clarified. Here's where we split, Min said. The crowd had thinned out considerably by then, leaving the three teenagers almost alone in the street. Unless you need an escort? No, Pingua said a shade too quick. I'll be okay. Hurry on before Lin's dad gets mad. Min nodded, his expression stiff and serious. All right, see you tomorrow. Zai Jin, Lin waved over her shoulder. See you later, Ping Guo said, his tone mournful. Ping Guo watched them leave, wanting to call them back, that he changed his mind. A pit of fear lodged in Ping Guo's stomach as he turned and walked to the small room that housed him, his sister, and their mother. Trudging back alone was always daunting in the narrow confines of the Tulo. The roofs of the circular buildings overhung the dark streets, making almost a turtle shell to protect the village. One could run from rooftop to rooftop if they wished, but Pingua was afraid of slipping and falling to try. It looked like fun, though, and Pingua dreamed of working up the courage. The problem was, that's where they waited for him. On cue, something cold, hard, and wet slapped his face. He touched his stinging cheek, his fingers wet with mud and ice. Jeering laughter filled the night air. Hey, useless rich boy, you like food? You look hungry, Apple. Eat this. Another mud cake thudded down. Pingua dodged it. The dark ooze splattered on the packed earth, this time smelling of dung. Pingua ran, the echo of feet running across the rooftop, giving chase. His door was down a dark dead-end alley, and he'd been laid out on the ground there before on nights he wasn't quick enough. The alley door was just ahead, if he could just make it. His heart pounded the cold air searing his lungs with blazing pain, the mist coming so fast from his mouth that it obscured his vision. He heard shouting, but never turned to look back. Then a hand clamped down on his shoulder before he could open the door just within reach. Pingua jumped, waiting to feel the accustomed blows. He was prepared to hit the ground and curl up to protect himself around his blanket to keep them from destroying it. It was the only cover he had left, and without it, he would freeze to death. Steady, boy. An elder's voice said, I'm not taking the hide out of you. By his manner of speech, it was one of the haka. They're gone. The, thank you, Miss Mister. Pingua could not tell if he was shivering from the cold or the adrenaline. No need to thank me. Some lot, that's just got the mean in them. Already too many mean people in the world. Don't end up like them, and that'll be thanks enough. Pingua nodded and went inside climbing the narrow stairs to their tiny two-room apartment on the third floor. He found his sister preparing to go out. Where were you? His Gia asked, pulling on her sweater. You know I have to go. To qualify for their meager portion of rice and eggs, mited weaving and other communal chores by day, at night she made rounds to the elderly, reading, sewing, and other small tasks. There was no, no such thing as currency any longer, only service. 
There was a story in the public house. Is mom better? Of course not. She isn't going to get better either. Best for all of us if she just dies in her sleep, his sister whispered. Mai didn't really mean it, but they were all tired and frustrated. Worse, Pingua suspected Mai was right. Lots of people had fallen sick and none of them were getting better, especially the older ones. Time was, people could collect herbs in the forest and make medicine to heal themselves, he said, verbatim imitation of an elder he heard lamenting about all the illness. There are no forests, Mai said, none living anyway, and there never will be again. The only things out there are demons and blight. His sister's eyes were haunted by their reality, and she looked older than she should, a real adult. She dipped a rag in a precious bit of water and wiped the dirt smearing his cheek. She didn't ask how it happened, and he was grateful. Watch mom, all right? I don't want you to go, Pingua said. I know, but we need to eat. I made some rice. It's not much. I gave mom her share already, what she could get down. A knock on the door meant her friends were there to make their rounds together. Mai grabbed her coat and left. Pingo wished he could help. He had been raised with the notion that he was the man of the house now, but he seemed incapable of doing anything. It shamed him, and he felt as useless as the bully said he was. His stomach gurgled. He was almost hungry enough to eat that mud. His father had been a doctor, and so they lived better than others, though not so well as the top percent. Pingua had not known what it was like to be truly hungry back then, the kind of hunger that ate a body from the inside out. Now that raw, burning sensation was a constant companion. The softness from a life of sitting and affording to eat had long melted away. But I'm still not strong. Pingua ate his two spoonfuls of rice very sparingly. There was not much left, and the way they had to grow it was difficult at best. Soon there might not even be this much to eat. And what would the people do then? Pingua was educated enough to know that without proper nourishment, they would all die. How did it get like this? He asked his empty spoon. But he knew the answer. People had taken and taken until the earth had nothing left to give. He had seen the images of green forests that stretched forever. And although he had never laid eyes on them himself, he had traversed parts of the dead forest when they left the city. So he knew it had been true. His mother moaned and went, he went to check on her. He gave her a little water, but she waved him away. Pingua, she said, saying his name instead of calling him son. She passed out, looking worse than he had ever seen her. For the first time, she appeared, old. Remembering his mother as she had been, Pingua could stand it no longer. Don't worry, Mama, I'm going to fix you. He said with so much conviction, he knew he must make it happen or die trying. But what can I do? I'm a nobody. He remembered the story from earlier, the seed silo in particular. Plants could be used to make medicine. Perhaps they could grow a cure. I need to go talk to Min. Maybe he'll know what to do. Scary as it was to go out on his own at, own at night, it felt good to make a decision and act on it. He only hoped he would be back before Mai got home or she'd scold him. It was early enough to risk it, so he tied his tattered blanket around his shoulders and snuck out. Pingguo trapped down to the alleyway exit. He closed the door quietly and turned to head on out to the street when he heard voices. The group of teens was lingering at the, near the mouth of the alley. In near silence, lest even a scuff of his thin shoe alert them, Pingguo ducked back. His heart beat so hard that he could hear nothing else. His breath was misty and cold. 
He glanced around wildly, knowing the sound of the door would alert them. He wondered if he could hide among the buckets. It was no good. He would make too much noise. His eyes peered over and he saw the ladder. There was nothing for it. He would have to climb up to the roof. For you, Mama. He managed to pull himself up and over when the boys walked past and moved on down the street, joking amongst themselves. They never glanced up. Bingua clung to the tiles, too afraid to move. Shivering, he forced himself to stand. The view was almost beautiful. The hazy moonlight casting its wan glow across the black tiles. The outer ring wall and its balconies towered above him, while the squat, multi-story buildings spread below. With trepidation, he made his way along, trying not to slide off the high, steep, slippery slope. Little by little, however, he grew more confident and made his way to Min's home. The hard part was climbing down to Min's balcony on the third floor. His feet slid on the icy surface as his toes just barely touched the rail. For a moment, Bing Guo thought he was going to die. After a moment, scuffling, his fingers aching, the door shuffled aside. Bing Guo, what in the world? The men had his legs and helped him get down to the wooden planks. I know it's late, but I need to run something by you, and if I and I don't think it can wait, Pinguo said between pants, trying not to think about his near brush with death. He peered past men into the room, to a room as narrow and sparse as his own. Lynn was sitting on a crude stool within, a red handprint staining her cheek. That meant her father was in a sour mood tonight. There was nothing any of them could do about it except give her shelter when it got bad. In the morning, it was like it never happened. No one acknowledged it, and life went on. You okay, Lin? Pingua asked. Yeah, she whispered. I wish I could get out of here. Anywhere. But there's nowhere left to go, is there? Maybe there is, Pingua offered. He launched into his absurd plan to leave the compound, travel across the mountains to find a seed silo without a proper map to guide them. By the, same, by the time he was done, he realized how stupid it all sounded. Min shook his head. I know where it is, if I remember correctly. My father pointed out the mountain with the silo when I was younger than you. There's no way to know for sure that, that old seed vault has, still has anything worthwhile left in it. He said the weight of his deeper voice, <laughs> giving him more conviction than Pingle's higher strained tones. But it has to, Pingle said. How else can we go on? Something troubled filled Min's eyes. What is it? Pinguel asked. I shouldn't be talking about this, but the truth is there's less food than anyone knows. The elders aren't letting on, but I know from working and bringing in the harvests, a lot did not make it, and the seeds, the few that matured, are poor. We're having more trouble finding any game, too. Lynn sat up straighter. According to the aunties, if the spring does not come soon and we can't start planting, if the rains don't fall again. I heard one tell another this morning that if it comes to that, they should kill the children in their sleep to keep them from the pain of starving to death. Min swiped a hand through his long hair. A cold pit of fear lodged in Pinguel's stomach. That included him. And if they were willing to murder children? What about the people who are sick, like my mother? This sounds crazy, but maybe I should go after these full seeds, Min said, his lips pressed tight. Any chance is better than none. You can't go alone, Lin. What if you break a leg or get mauled by wild animals? Lin asked. I'll take Pingua. And what about me? Lin asked indignant. You can't come, Lin said. If you say it's because I'm a girl. 
don't take this wrong, Lynn, but you are a girl. It's not that you aren't strong or capable. I've seen you carry the water buckets on your harness. Then there's a lot of bad people out there, Lynn. They'll hurt you. Think I don't know that? I've been hurt, she touched her swollen cheek. They'll hurt you worse and never stop until you're dead, Lynn said, staring into her defiant eyes. Girls know that better than boys, she snarled, fiercer than ever. I can't stay here without you, Min. I'd rather go out and take my chances than stay another day under my father's roof. Besides, how are you going to carry all that seed back by yourself? Min sighed. And you gotta dress and act like a boy. They looked at her clothes, which were layers of mismatched garments from whatever could be salvaged. She had no shape under it, nothing about her that said male or female either way. We have to, le we have to leave tonight, Min continued. Sooner the better, before anyone knows what we're doing. The elders have known about that old silo for decades, but so far as they're concerned, it's just a thieves' den, and if there was seed, it's long gone. They'll stop us. We'll need supplies, Lynn said. Min nodded. I'll get what we can. You both wait here. And with that, he left. Now Pinguo's doubts crept in. What happens if we get out there and it's nothing? What if we can't find our way back? He wondered aloud. Hey, it's your plan, right? Lynn kissed him on the cheek, the first he'd ever received from a girl who was not his relative. His skin tingled, the warmth remaining long after she set about making one of Min's blankets into a knapsack. Nice. All right. Now I have to go buy the book because I want to see what happens next. And Lord buys it from Dragon Game. It's very fun. Very and he fun. He gives you all kinds of spoilers. So, yep. I'm very excited to read this. I'm I'm really grateful that you came back on the program to share this with us. I just think it's an amazing project that is really doing some great work. So thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you. And thank you for giving me a chance to promote it. Of course, always. Come on back when you have your next project. Will do, always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.